Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Matty, how are we feeling today? Dude, today's a great day, man. We got head coach Sean Lewis. Man, I, 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 it's so exciting because we were friends, like, what, 20 years ago? I'm not saying we're not friends, but we were friends a long time ago. And it's so nice to circle back. I'm so grateful for you to come on the show and chop it up with, with Maddie P and I, I mean, I can't wait to hear, you know, you hardly ever get head coach people to come on a show. So it's just, it's just going to be interesting about like your mentality and what you do and, and the NIL from your point of view. And, and please don't say anything that you think might get you in trouble, but you see these things way different than Maddie P and I do. I'm also a couch potato watching you coach during on a Saturday. So I'm interested to hear like what that's like with the headset on. So, but what we do here is we start, well, dude, thanks for ha- coming on. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity. It's awesome to reconnect. I mean, sure. We, we, it feels like an eternity ago. We were running around on our, our, our Yamaha Zumas and, and going to get some swipes and getting some, some meals where we could. Right. And it's great to, to double back and connect, man. This is awesome. It is. It is very fun. It is very fun. I'm sorry. I was just jumping in. I was just so excited, you know, like <laughs> talk football and, and, and hear like all the new stuff. I mean, I'm so outdated. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. And if you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. But what we do is like, we want to hear like, Sean, where where you came from, why you started um, playing football, like what was sure. what was little Sean like? I mean, that was like six, what five, six five, a go, one hundred twenty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you're from the Chicago area originally, am, right? Yeah. Were you yeah. born there? I was not. I was actually, I was born in Slidell, Louisiana. Um, my, my dad was down there. And so me and my sister were, were born down there. And then um, my dad was from Chicago and work transferred him back up to the Chicagoland area. So grew up on Southern suburb, um, Oak Lawn, right outside the city. And um Played down there at, at Richards High School, and um, Coach Kevin Cosgrove found me down there. He's another Southside Chicago native, and uh, plucked me and, and got me up to Wisconsin. But yeah, little Sean, um, man, tall, gangly. I've always kind of been that way. Um, didn't start playing football. Um, my parents wouldn't let me start playing football until my fourth grade year. And so it was funny, great story that I love to tell. You know, my friends started playing like in second grade, and it was like, you know, I'm nagging my mom and my dad was kind of always on the fence. Like, ah, you know, Hey, talk to your mother about it. She doesn't feel safe. You're so skinny. I'm like, yeah, I get it. What have you. Right. So I was always just basketball, baseball, and just run around with neighborhood friends. But finally fourth grade came along. Mom was like, all right, you've been bugging me for two years. Like let you have at it. Right. And so I go out and, and all my buddies have been playing for two years. So they know what this is and what it's about. The old Oakland outlaws back in the day here. <laughs> and I remember the first couple of days of padded practice and just being like, what did I get myself into? Right. Like just, boy, this is all right. This is real. Here we go. And I remember my mom, she'd always take me to practice because she got home from work first um, after school and everything. And then my dad would pick me up. And one of these days, like I'm feeling way too sore. And I'm like, you know, I just I don't want to do this. You know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. 
And we had one rule, we had multiple rules, but there was one rule that was always stressed in my family growing up. When you start something, you finish it. You're not going to quit, period. Like that wasn't an option. And my parents were awesome for me and my sister. You know, we didn't want for anything. I was very fortunate, but we weren't rich either by any means, right? So they put up the money for this and nope, you've been bugging us for two years. And my mom wasn't hearing it at all. And she's throwing me in my pads and like my butt pads, like where my knee pad should be and my thigh pads where a hip pad should be. And she like throws me out of the car on the way to practice. Day. She's like, your dad will see you. You're not quitting. Like it was like the first time she was like, get your mind right. Let's go. And, you know, my dad got me and, you know, I'm trying to tough guy it out. Like how was practice? And, you know, but thank God moms are awesome. She didn't let me quit. And now, you know, fast forward the video of life. I'm running my own program here and everything that I have for me and my family and the journey that I've been on is because of football and my mom not letting me quit. So pretty cool. Do you ever, do you ever, uh, do you ever talk to your mom and be like, or talk to other parents and be like, dude, football is the best sport. You should let your kid play. Absolutely. Like, what do you, what do you say as a coach now yeah. to that question? Cause that question is big. Absolutely. I, I think it's one of the most important duties that we have as a coach right now to be a steward of the game and really to protect the game, you know? So um, I, I think football is unbelievable. Obviously you got to make sure that, you know, the, the people who are leading and coaching and, and guiding the young people who are playing it are doing it the right way. But I, I think you'd be hard pressed and I could argue and would argue that there's not a better sport to teach life lessons and the fellowship and camaraderie of teamwork right? The, the diversity of a locker room that uh, if our world was that way in all facets, man, it'd be a heck of a lot better place, right? You would just be more open to ideas and perspectives. And, you know, everyone has these niche roles that they play and it doesn't matter how good you are as the left tackle or the safety or the linebacker or the three tech or the quarterback. Like if you don't have the other people around you, your skill set does not matter at all. And, and I think, again, that's, a great lesson that we could all learn from. Like none of us have gotten where we are sitting here talking, being successful in our lives. If it wasn't for other people around us. Right. And I think football just teaches that and it teaches the resiliency that you need. Cause just when you think you, you're doing all right, life will humble you. The game of football will humble you. And um, it, it's awesome. I mean, it's just so much fun too. Like I tell our guys all the time, you know, like there's, you get praise for things in between the white lines in the game of football that if you do them outside the white lines, like, uh-uh. You know, and yeah. that's a that's a unique beast to, to be able to do and, and a lot of fun to to be able to coach and be a part of and encourage more people to be a part of it. Yeah, it's funny. We I, actually I, had yeah. Chris Orr on the podcast recently, the former Wisconsin linebacker, and he was saying, you know, he grew up in a big football family. You know, his dad played in the NFL, his brother's in the NFL. And he was saying that, you know, he's talking to his mom. He's like, yeah, you would like I'm a completely different person in between the lines. You would not like the person that I am in between the lines. Was that sort of the same thing for you? Were you a different person once you stepped onto the field than you were off the field? Yeah, it was a, it was always an outlet. Right. And, and I think the best guys that we've always been around, like guys, I think about guys that I, I played with that was constantly shoot, you know, Bernie being one and, you know, Joe Thomas and and OD and shoot Cal and, and guys, I mean, shoot Starkey, like all those guys, like you could kick it and be boys in the locker room. You know, I mean, shoot, I remember being on campus and and I graduated early and lived with Stocko and right across the hall, you know, was Monty. And, and it was like one of those deals where uh, we stepped in between the lines and like he put his arm around me. I'm this young pup, like no problem. But then, I mean, shoot, he wanted to take my head off. And, and, but then like I got moved from quarterback to tight end. And, like we're literally like I remember like, you know, being across from him going mano y mano and, and doing what you need to do to play the game in between the white lines. And, you know, but then off we're, we, we were boys, right? Like we, we, were, we were really, really good friends. But yeah, you, you got to be able to flip that switch and you got to be able to play the game in that way. And, and yeah, like some of the nicest guys in the world outside the white lines are some of the baddest dudes in between the white lines. <laughs> yeah, we're on a Zoom and, with one of them right now. Yeah, absolutely. Matt Bernstein. Like, absolutely. No doubt. You know, I would but, say and, that, and, that, yeah, I would, I would agree that, Sean, you're saying the truth about me. I would go to the bars, be the nicest person to everyone, buy people drinks. Like, Sean, if you showed up, you, would, you and me would get drunk together. Like, I'd just be happy. Like, you'd be the best. But you put me on the field, and it was like people were trying to take, take like, kill my family. I don't know. There's something wrong. And, and I think every football has this, which I actually think, first off, I'll never feel that feeling again, right? Like, no matter – I can never get that hyped, that excited, that tuned up again, like, working out-wise 
you know, knowing my responsibility to go on the field and like just unleash it on other dudes. And, and really you're trying to hurt people, but within the, in the, the game's rules, right? Like nothing dirty, but if I, I knocked, I knocked a dude out in completely legal. Where were we in Arizona? I don't think you were on the team yet. This might have been. Oh no, you were. This is in two thousand one. The, the rain game where the we all game. slammed the Pedialyte because it was supposed to be hundred degrees, and then we go and we play, and it's like seventy-two degrees, and we had a four-hour rain delay. Or whatever. <laughs> it was hot for the first quarter, it and was. then it rained. I hit this dude straight on the ear hole. He crumpled. He definitely he was knocked out. Like he just went limp. You know, kind of scary actually to see. Sure. I was pumped. I was over him. You know, giving him like the you know like the Randy you know like the macho man. I was like going pumped. I walk into the, the locker room. Uh, we were, we're at meetings and Hubes is like, Bernie, get in here. I was like, shoot, I definitely missed a block. Like, this guy wants to yell at me. And, you know, Hubes only mother, he MF'd you. Um, I walk in there and he's like, guy, this is what I want to see for every play. He's like, Bernie, why can't you do this on every play? And just kept rewinding it. Me knocking this dude out, knocking this dude out. And I was like, Man, this is the best moment of my life. I think Hubes gave me like a, a like a like a small, um, like a like a nice word, and I was like, man, this is amazing. But you can do those. That's so it's like crazy when you say like Monty and some of my best friends are guys that we banged heads too many times. Zalewski is one of them. Like Taj, like these guys are like oh, my boys. Dude. One of the biggest hits I took was in a spring scrimmage from Zalewski. We ran a little tight end middle screen. And I turned around, the ball was a little high. I tipped it, catch it, turn around, and Zoo ran through my face. And it, but, but it was like, I, I it speaks to the culture that we had that Coach Chris has carried through. That you, you talk about a band of brothers there and what we've created here at Kent State as well. Like we could be roommates, we could be pals, we could go to Ian's Pizza at any hour of the day. And be thick as thieves. But when you stepped in between those lines, if we were going to compete and you're going to put the ball down, there's going to be a winner or a loser. Like, I love you, bro, but iron sharpens iron and strap it up. Like, stand by to get some. And that that's, I mean, that's what that's all that you can hope for, right? And, and because of that, man, we won so many football games just because of our resolve and our character and our grit and our toughness. And that carries through. And those are pillars that I've built my program on here that we learned there that I know are steadfast, no matter how the game has changed. Like the simple fact of the matter is that the tougher team usually wins like talent and skill being equal. If you're tougher, you're going to win, you know, and, and it's, it, it's a great thing. So let's go back quickly. I, you mentioned Paul Chris, and I want to ask you about the relationship like you might've had, or did you call him, but let's go back. So what, what made you choose Wisconsin? Like who else was on the board? What I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna kind of rush through because I have a hundred head coaching questions that I want to sure, ask. Absolutely. <laughs> so what, well, what I don't want to talk about my college career there up at Wisconsin. Other than I learned a ton of ball, um, but how I ended up at Wisconsin, right? Um, was I was kind of a, a, I guess a regional recruit, you could say, right? Like Midwest was kind of Big Ten up, um, and it came down between Iowa, Purdue, and Wisconsin. And I remember going up to Madison with my family in the summertime and the staff taking me around, getting a chance to meet some of the guys on the team and everything. And everything that I was looking for was important for me that my family was going to be able to see me play with how much they had put into it. Right. So from where I was from and where Madison was, it was like two and a half two two forty five, maybe if that, right. They're going to be able to see all the games. So that really played into an important factor in my decision. Um, the degree that I knew I was going to walk away with, Right. And then just the camaraderie and the comfort of being around the guys and the staff, you know, it's like one of those deals that where it just everything I was looking for, right. Like lined up, like they just matter of factly speaking, it, like there was a drive time that we were looking for. There was the degree program that I was looking for. And, and then the opinion, I, I leaned very heavily on my dad who went around with me and got a chance to feel everyone. I think my dad's an excellent judge of character, right? And when he was around and got to interact with people and we were just in the cities and different things like that, um, we just felt at home at, at Madison. And um, yeah, ultimately it was one of those deals going before my senior year. It was like, that's where I knew where I wanted to be. Locked it down, early enrolled and got after it. So you were one of, like, early enrolling was not a big thing when, no, when, when you were there. All. And so now it's it seems like there are like eight to 10 kids for every school, every class that are coming in early. 
what was the early enrollment process like for you then? And have you been able to transfer some of that knowledge you gained while you were early enrolling to the kids that you are bringing in early now at Kent State? Yeah, awesome question. Um, it was all brand new, you know, and it was actually on a recruiting trip that a, a different school brought it up because they were they had made the point that, you know, they asked the question like, you know, as a quarterback, we want our, our quarterback this class to be an early enrollee. You know, are you doing that? And I remember like me and my dad kind of looking at each other like, tell us more about this. Like, what are you this is the first we're hearing of this. What are you what are you talking about? And so I was fortunate, actually, the freshman high school coach that I played for was my academic counselor at my high school. So we went back and it was like, hey. You know, this school mentioned it. Let's talk kind of through the pros and the cons of it all. And, you know, what do we need to do? And I actually ended up writing for my high school school newspaper because that counted for an English core credit because of the, the writing, which was awesome. And that gave me the, the core units that I needed to to graduate early. Um, and it was great. Like got there. It was me and Jamison Davis. We were the only two in our class. And it was unique in a sense that it was so new and you're kind of in this limbo of you weren't in. So I was in the 2004 high school graduating class, but the O threes were on campus. The rest of the O four signees weren't. And so like by the time the summertime, when the O fours came on, like me and Jameson were like, yeah, come on. Like, we'll show you around. Like we know where stuff's at. Like we, we were kind of like these like weird veterans that were still rookies and it was always like I just remember my whole time being there it was like what class are you in like who do you belong to because it was such a unique deal and um having gone through that and lived that again there's there's pros and cons to it like I remember going back for my senior lock-in and like prom and graduation at the high school level and I've been on campus for a semester already like I, I literally like took a nutritional science 132 final that first spring the morning of my high school prom like took the final on the college campus mom picked me up ran home got my tux and went to prom like very very unique experience um and so being able to live that and speak it now like we had eight early enrollees this year at Kent State so to your point it's much more commonplace and um you know to be able to speak to it from a having lived it standpoint um, helps just walk the kids through whether it's the right thing for them or not. Sure. Is that, is that, but it, that seems to be a common trend now is, is for more. I showed up at Wisconsin a couple of years ago and they had 10 guys there to me. That, yeah. That's a, a but, it, but you, you lived it. Did you like it? Like, was that something you enjoyed? Would you go back? I mean, my second semester senior year in high school, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you can really do whatever you want. So yeah. like, what was that for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it because I knew that like where I was going and what I wanted to do, right? Like in high school, you know, obviously there was the classroom setting, right? But athletically, it was football and basketball for me. And basketball was something that I played to stay in shape for football. And so I was signed. I would know that I was going to play, you know, ball for the Badgers. And it was like, well, I can run around and I can play high school basketball again, or I can start you know, working towards the ultimate goal of becoming a starter and becoming a contributor at Wisconsin. And so I've always just been a real goal-oriented individual. I think the way that we all are, are driven in the sports world, right? And it was like, okay, I just felt like my time individually at the high school level was good. That had run its course, and it's time to go on to the next chapter. And, um, you know, I felt it was really beneficial for me not for everyone. Like it's something that like, even as though it's becoming more and more common, you know, I think now it's more common because of how specialized young athletes are becoming really, really early. Like you just don't see multi-sport athletes, which is just crazy because, you know, you show me a football player that's playing basketball and baseball or running track or wrestling year round. Like those are all skills that are applicable to the game that ultimately they're going to get a scholarship in or that they want to pursue. So, you know, play as many sports as possible and, and and don't have burnout in one sport. That's my PSA on that. Um, but I think because of that, right, like it, it's much more commonplace and it's probably helping with the transition, maybe more than what myself and Jameson had when we did it, um, because there is a little bit more cohesion of, hey, it's 10 guys now, it's eight guys now. Like there's a little crew there that gets to roll through the experience together. Yeah, and, and I would say that experience is tough coming from outside of Madison. 
you know, coming out from outside of Wisconsin, we had Tezon and, you know, you, you just show up and you're at the Regent with 12 guys that you don't from all over the country. Yeah. And you got to try to figure out like who all these people are and who you are. But you had one dude, although I actually, you know, Jameson was a great guy. So you had you two Absolutely. together were great people to come in with. But, you know, like, OK, so I don't want to I don't want to get bogged down because I but I want I, like to me, that's really special. Like you and Jameson coming in. What I don't I mean, I remember you guys coming and I always thought like that was crazy because I love my high school. What was it like when you show up and you're in the locker room and now you're like you're basically part of it? I mean, you are you're part of the team. Yeah, like you're thrown I, in and you're, now you're, you're a teammate. What's that yeah, like? It was wild, right? And I think that transition, no matter when you come in, is hard. Like speaking very candidly, right? I think any athlete that's done that, you go from being top dog, all state, what have you, right? Like big man on your high school campus where you walk in this, you know, college locker room now and everyone's that dude. And I think anyone who says like, hey, I knew I belonged from the very beginning, like 100% confidence is – it's a bunch of BS. Like th there's some doubt in your, in the back of your head where you're like, all right, like, here we go. Like I got to figure out and find a way to get some victories here to know that, that I belong a, a little bit quite honestly. And when you walk in, like at the time, shoot, I, my birthday's in April here coming up. Like I was 17. So those first four months, like I'm on campus, I'm a 17 year old and you're looking around the locker room and, and like Lee, like I remember Lee Evans coming through one time training with, with debt and he, like, he, he was getting ready for his pro day and he had just caught, you know, the, the jerk for a touchdown. Like, I was up for that game day visit and, and everything. It's like, damn, that's Lee. Like, he's going to the league. And, like, in that moment, like, I felt so far away from where he was. Or, you know, like, like just in the journey of life, it was like, man, when he was catching that touchdown, I was in fourth period honors physics in high school. And now, like, we're sharing a locker room. And I remember one of the very first workouts, right, like, coming in, talking with B-Bot and, and Herb's like, you know, talking me through the recruitment process. Like, you, know, you better come in here in shape. You better come here in shape. And I'm like, I'm going to come in here in the best shape of my life because you come back at the start of that winter conditioning phase and it was like, all right, let's see who did anything over break and who's really in shape. And we'd get on the line and run the uh, oh, shotguns. shotguns. And so we do like our first workout and I feel like I'm in great shape. And, like, the workout downstairs was like, oh, that was real. And, like, I kind of, like, sat for a minute. And Bebop's like, yo, come on, let's go. We're going upstairs. And I'm like, we're going upstairs? Like, yeah, we're going upstairs to run. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, let's go upstairs and run. And it finished with some shotguns. I remember getting through all that and sitting in front of my locker. And it was just like, all right, like, it's time to do more. Like, anything that you did at the high school level to get you here, like, that's all well and good. But it's time to crank it up. If you're ever going to get on the field and you're going to contribute, like you got to do more than you've ever done. And again, like that's just a great lesson to learn. Like, hey, there's levels to this. Like you're at a different level. Like, let's go. Let's let's crank it up. So, Sean, what? So, so you did the transition. What's the transition like? What do you do now? What's the culture for you with people coming in? What What have you taken from Wisconsin in your journey to say, oh my God, I can do something better here? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, again, is just helping those kids understand to know that, like, hey, you, you, when you get here, you really don't know what you don't know. Like, yeah, it's football. Yeah, it's school. You've never lived on your own before. So it's okay. And one of the, I think the, the things that our staff does a great job of is on an individual level, really knowing their recruits. And then when they get here as signees and they start acclimating into our locker room and our culture, like – there, there's the Kent State way of doing things. And, and our coaches help guide them through that so that they can have a level of confidence that, all right, this is how this needs to be done, the standard at which it needs to be done. Our kids do an awesome job in the locker room of showing them the, much the same way, you know, that you did for me, Bernie. Like, hey, there's, there's the real world time and then there's badger time. Like, yeah, that lift starts at six, whatever, but we're going to be in the weight room at 545 because that's what badgers do. You're like, all right. Like there's positive peer pressure. Like that's what we do. Right. Like, and it's the same thing here. Like that's carried through, like, Hey, we're going to be early so that when I roll into the team meeting at 8 AM, like the team meeting starting at 8 AM. And so be early and let's get it on, but just helping our kids know and understand like 
it's okay to not know because you don't know what you don't know. And we're going to teach you. We're going to guide you. But ultimately, you're responsible for you, right? That old adage of give them the fish or teach them how to fish. Like we're going to teach them how to fish here at Kent State so that they can have success and know how we win on and off the field. And again, a lot of that is taken from Coach Alvarez's program and things I learned from Coach Chris and sitting in the room with him and, and Coach Bielema. Um, there's a reason why there's been sustained success at Wisconsin. And, you know, while we've had three consecutive winning seasons here at Kent State, which hasn't happened since 1972, like there's a lot of similar pillars that that run through both the programs. That's fantastic. So, so, oh, go for it, Matty. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you came in as a quarterback. And yeah. so were you running scout team your first year? Yeah, I was up until the the Minnesota week, <laughs> and uh, Minnesota had Matt Spath at tight end, who was yeah. six seven, yeah. two seventy, whatever he was. You know, first right? team all conference. I think he was an. Uh, he was, I think he was an all American. Like he was a yeah. beast. He was a dude, right? And so I, I'll never forget. We got done with the the developmental lift or, or, or meetings, and and we're getting prepped. You know, taped and everything for for practice. And I'm hanging out in front of the locker. And Coach Palermo walks by, and he goes, hey, come here. And he calls me over by um, by the equipment shed and everything, the, the, the gate. And he's like – he hollers the Peels. He's like, Peels, Lou here needs some, some tight end shoulder pads, and, and we need to change his face mask on his helmet. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and he's like, hey, bud, um, your future in this program is that tight end, and there's no one in this program that can replicate Matt's faith more than you. So – Get ready to put your hand in the dirt and and, and let's go get it on. When and was I'm the like, last time you had played anything but quarterback? Cole, um, shoot, like middle school, fifth like, grade. Yeah, I was, like fourth or fifth grade, my first year playing ball. Like it, it was, uh, yeah, it, it had been since the beginning. Since the beginning, absolutely. My God. So, I, so we changed pads, and I go from that cute green jersey that the quarterbacks used to wear to red or white, whatever we were wearing that day on the scout team and put my hand down and Erasmus James is lined up right across from me. And it's like, all right, block power, go for it. And I'm like, all right, time to go see the nutritionist and how do we need to gain some weight? <laughs> <laughs> time to get in that squat rack and put on all, all that heavy weight. Absolutely. Oh, man, that that uh, seems like a very harsh transition. <laughs> you know what? I, and again, like this is the the beauty of the culture at Wisconsin. And hopefully if you guys talk to any of my guys at some point in time here of having a player led locker room and having guys and believing and having trust in a staff to know, Hey, there's a reason why we're doing this and having a guy, you know, like shoot, you know, Jason Posey coming over and saying, Hey man, like you're going to be all right. Right. Like, like having OD come over and put his arm around me and say, Hey, the journey and the path that you're about to walk, like I did it. Like here's some things that you can predict and, and shoot. I mean, Joel's one of the nicest. Joel Nelson is one of the nicest human beings in, in planet Earth. And just the guys in that tight end room, right? Like how they openly welcomed me in, and still the guys in the quarterback room. Like I was still like so we made that transition, and then I was still signaling plays. Like I was traveling as a redshirt freshman, and it was like the guy signaling plays. So it's hilarious. Like. You know, I, I'm down with the scout team running the tight end deal. And then come game day, like, I'm just as locked into what's going on. And, again, like, it was a blessing in disguise because I had to know kind of both sides of it. And I just fell in love with the process of the weekly deal and, you know, kind of put me on this path to, to be in the profession. But, yeah, it was an eye-open experience from not being touched at practice and just throwing the ball around to, hey, uh, go scoop block uh, Taj and, you know – Monty and Erasmus and all those Jefferson and like all yeah absolutely you, you never you, the the thing is people don't get is the green jersey men do not go near that person right like, don't, don't touch them don't go near them it's that typical used to be the red jersey but we wear red so they right. they had the green um to take that off and then to put on something else that like basically you could get crushed by anybody is it must be a scary that to well, me would be very scary. And so the timing of it all too, right? Like, so being a, the the mid-year enrollee quarterback, I had the green jersey. We went through spring ball. No one was allowed to touch me. Like all those guys that I had to go block now for 15 spring practices and half the year, like don't touch them, don't touch them, don't touch them. Then I come out in the 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 regular 
go jersey. Like, hey, he's live. He's going to block. Like, they're like, oh, it's on now. Like, <laughs> there was this, like, pent-up rage where you we couldn't touch you. Oh, you're going to feel us. And it was like, all right. Like, so for that whole first year of that transition, I just learned how to take a hit the proper way and, like, build my body up so that I could – give some hits ultimately like that. You're also that's playing against some of the best guys to ever play defensive line there. It was awesome. It, awesome. Like, it, again, yeah. like the, the, the iron sharpens iron mindset. It was like, Hey, cool. You're going to do this. Great. We're going to get you trained and you're going to have to prove all over again that, that, that you belong a part of this brotherhood and that you're going to be able to contribute and that we can trust you. Like I remember that following spring being in like somehow I got thrown into inside run with a series of reps that I had no business being in and like line up on the left side of the line. And Joe looks over and like, just extends his hand and like pushes me out. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, I need to get my split. And he's like, bro, like these knees are worth millions of dollars. And you just started playing this position. Like, why don't you widen out that split a little bit? And so I knew I had made it. Like I at least had a level of respect within the locker room with the transition when I could line up next to Joe and take a normal split and like, I don't like, he never wanted me next to him in a real game in real balls, but at least in practice, like, all right. Oh, okay. All right. You're good enough. I know you're not going to impact me. Like good. And <laughs> that's, that's how you figured it out. And Joe's like, you don't need to take a wide split. Yeah. I'll, I'll actually let you line up in a normal split next to me. Like, all right. Uh, halfway decent. H- have an attempt. Oh my God. That is absolutely phenomenal stuff. So what was everyone? So we've actually had bot on the show um, and we've had, you know, a bunch of guys always talking about the weightlifting and the weightlifting program and the strength and conditioning in general. What was like the biggest shock to your system when you got there, when it came to weightlifting? You talked about that first workout, but what did they really have you working on? And how did that change when you went from quarterback to tight end? The biggest thing was all the muscles that you don't see in the mirror. To, to me, right? Like, like, like there's the show muscles that when you're in high school, like, Hey, yeah, let's bench press and let's make sure we have a six pack. I mean, I was a quarterback, right? Like the, just all that sissy stuff. And then like, okay, Hey, like we got to put some traps on you. Um, we need some lats. You need to get in the squat rack as Bernie mentioned, like just the actual go muscles that were emphasized so that you could actually do your job in between the white lines. They did an unbelievable job of that. And then bot from like he started doing the functional movement screens when we were there, just kind of, you know, how your body moved through space and where there were some weaknesses in your, your kinetic chain that he did an unbelievable job with that. And, and some, you know, I remember doing a series of exercises with him at the end of each lift to kind of shore up those little kinks in the armor where there would be some deficiencies and just the, just how specific it was with those simple movements, Herb's with the nutrition, like again, with the transition, it was like, I remember Herb just making up some post recovery shake. like, Hey, it's a orange whip. And it was like some orange Julius flavored something that was like a thousand, 2000 calories. Like just drink it. What's in it. Don't worry about it. Drink it. Like, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> those metric shakes were disgusting. By oh. the way. <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, they were, and they're like concrete. Yeah. Anyone who yeah. had to gain weight, I feel really bad for at Wisconsin because <laughs> they made you drink the metric shakes. They couldn't because we were still like kind of feeling like the shoebox. So like they couldn't give you anything really else. I think we had insurers, but right. I think they would mix insurers with the concrete metric shake. And it was like thick, gross. And if I was drinking one, JD or one of those dudes, Herbs would be like, Bertie, you should be drinking this. And I'm like, man, you know, fat shaming started very early. Uh, <laughs> there was something I remember like the, the Babcock Hall, like started producing something for us early on. That was specifically for weight gain guys. And that, that was actually like when that started, it was like, all right, this actually tastes halfway decent. Like I can, I can semi enjoy this. And that it was, was pre-made. A big, uh, is there like in a carton or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that too. It was like thick though. Yes. Thick. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you needed a spoon. Like no matter what it was, if you were a weight guy, you weren't drinking your shake. You were just, it was like a frosty consistency of just calories. <laughs> uh, it's so gross. That's so gross. So try, <laughs> it's so funny, but I just remembering like. I'm glad we can laugh about it yeah, now, right? <laughs> it's funny because, you know, like every time we have someone on, they bring up something so different that I forgot about. 
You know, right. like I, I feel like I've forgotten so much more than I remember, but it's yeah. really funny to go back and be like, wow, you had to do the metric shakes. And then the Babcock ice cream, which I totally forgot, created these still not great, but better shakes. Better. Better. Oh, it's just funny. You know, it just, it just brings Absolutely. me back to the, to the hilarious days. So, so after college, what made you want to be part of this? Did you know, like what, what was going through your head when you graduated? Yeah. So, so I got done and, and knew that I had an itch to coach. Didn't really know at what level. Um, I remember walking into coach Chris's office at the time, like he was our offense coordinator. And there was one year where he was coaching the tight ends when I was there. So we had a great relationship and still do. He's awesome. And um, like going like, Hey, you know, talk to me about this coaching deal. And I remember him just kind of like sitting back in his chair and being like, man, I really thought you were smarter than that. Like there's such <laughs> an easier way to, to make a living. Like, I thought you were one of the smart ones. I'm like, nope, powerfully dumb. Like, <laughs> this is what I want to do, right? <laughs> and so him and I had a great conversation about it. And, and you know, I, I just, again, everything we kind of talked about in the beginning of the, the game, the lessons that it teaches you, the amazing coaches that we were around and, and the impact that they had on our lives at Wisconsin. I was fortunate to play for an unbelievable high school coach who was the all-time winningest coach in the state of Illinois. So it was like, one of those deals where it was like coaching and how that has impacted my life and other lives in the team and the locker room. And like you said, Bernie, to where, you know, like I was kind of having a, a, a healthy fear. I think of like the excitement of game day and, and the rush and the energy that like, man, if I'm not a part of this, like where is that joy and jubilation and, and high going to come from. Right. And, and so you know, I, I messed around and did like the office supply sales, you know, deal career for like three, four months. And I was just like, exactly, exactly. Man. It was bad, bad deal. Um, and, and was fortunate that opportunity came along at my alma mater to, to be the offensive coordinator there because there was a coaching change and, um, you know, did that for two seasons and was actually uh, back up in Milwaukee after that second season with a, a bunch of Badgers with, with Jimmy and Joel and, and Calhoun and, and, and Pimo and, and just talking about everything. And uh, Joel was actually like, you know, hey, man, you got a real passion for, for coaching and helping young men grow. Like, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I think you're kind of wasting some of your talents and, and, and your, your passion at the high school level. And, you know, if you can make the jump, you know, at, at the time I was, you know, just dating my girlfriend and now wife. We didn't have a family. So it was kind of like that time, right? Like we're like, if I'm going to do this, we got to do it. And, um, you know, I was able to, to make that jump to the college ranks, you know, thanks to, to Pimo and, and a door that he opened for me and, and everything. And there's always a badger tie through it that, that, that I've been very grateful for. Um, and, and, yeah, so it's just kind of one of those deals where, you know, the, the, the impact that it's had on the young men that I've been able to work with, it's just been, man, so fulfilling on so many different levels. That's phenomenal. So you played under both coach uh, Alvarez and coach Bielema, and you had coach Chris as a position coach. What yeah. is like, you know, they obviously all have very different styles and sort of very, it seems like at least from the outside, I obviously hadn't played for them different approaches to the game in terms of, you know, their personas. What's at least like one thing you've taken from each of them and have tried to apply to your own coaching trade? Yeah. I, I mean, with coach Alvarez, it was unbelievable to see him, you know, in the last two years of his career. And I thought he did an unbelievable job of entrusting and delegating to his staff. Like he was truly, you know, and I mean, it's the most positive way. Like he was the CEO head coach and he had total control of everything and you knew it. And just the calm and the confidence that he had about everything because of the people that he had around him that he trusted, like that, just, you, you never felt any type of way about any situation with coach Alvarez. Cause he just had this calm and confidence that like, we're good. Like he's seen this. He knows this, like we're good. We just need to follow, you know, his vision, um, the passion and excitement. Then when coach Bielema came in, like it was that first time energy, you know, for him of being a first time coach and head coach. And just, you know, that shot of life that he came and brought to the facilities every single day, not to say that it wasn't there before, but it was just a, a noticeable difference. Like, I, I think that's something that was a real, 
kind of energy giver to, to the program. And with Coach Chris, you know, I loved his balance between, hey, we're here for ball and it's high level ball. And, and it's and it's really, really important. And we're going to do it at a high level and we're going to win at a high level. And he's one of the most competitive dudes I've ever been around, which is awesome. But like, I remember that year where he was our position coach with the tight ends. And most days, not all days, but the majority of days, like that meeting didn't start until someone told a good joke that got us to laugh or we told a good story like about the weekend. And it was like that balance of, yeah, you guys play football, but you're not just football players. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that makes you guys whole. And he he dug into that. You know, like it, it's just that that holistic care. I think he does an unbelievable job with that. I, you know what? It's funny. I, everyone has said exactly what you said. Really? On everyone. Uh, I think Barry is the ultimate CEO, right? He trusts his guys. Like, I heart, I would only talk to him if I made a mistake or sometimes. Like, not a lot. Right. But but Coach White, I talk to every day, and and he coached us, you know? And, and it's so Correct. so it's so interesting. You know, Coach B, when he showed up and he was the D coordinator, was always like an upbeat. He brought that energy. You know, he would talk trash to, to the fullbacks, and it was fun. You know, he's like, right. oh, we're coming for you, Bernie, today. I'm like, you guys can't come. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Coach. I got, I got these guys' numbers. And, you know, so it was kind of fun. And Coach Chris is always that guy, like, could joke around but was take, took it very seriously, like the 50-50. But if you got him outside, like, even if you got him in the, in the room, like what you're saying, he's such a player's coach. Like, he's such That's a fun, true. like, he cares about your family. He cares about you. You know, it's it's not just football. It's it's holistic. Is is exactly what you say. What have you taken from those three guys that that you th- that you feel like you definitely use today? I, the, the holistic approach from Coach Chris is something that is front and center. And, and I just know, like, I just remember again, like my, my career, my my stat line there is short. It don't take very long. I mean, it, it's it's one catch for eight yards, and that was on like second and nine so I came up short and it was not like I didn't run my route to the proper death right um but again like the the care of it didn't matter if you were the all-american or the guy who was not running his route depth to the proper level me and getting your ass back on the bench um you know but like that that care especially with the 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 athletes and the young people that we're dealing with today like their their lives you think about the, the world that they've growing up and I mean the guys that are under our care right now and that we're looking after I mean shoot we've been in some sort of conflict at war ever since they've been alive right they've seen more stuff in their time and and, and their mental health and their well-being if you're only concerned about them as a player I think you're wrong and that's not how we're going to operate here you know like I, I want to make sure that them as a a son, a, a brother, a friend, a significant other, everything that makes them whole, you need to know what's going on because if you put that same, you know, kind of lens or look in the mirror with ourselves, right? Like as a, a husband, as a father, as a coach, as a son, you know, and, and, and sibling, like, man, if something's messed up in my home or I feel like I'm coming up short as, as a father, right? Like it impacts me as a coach and shoot, I'm, 35 about to be 36 here like and I still struggle that with that on the daily right to where now we're talking about okay a 20 21 you know year old young man who's trying to figure out his way and you know his ultimate identity and where he fits in you know in the locker room in the world and if he's got something if someone's sick back home and you don't know that you don't care to know that and all you're obsessed with is like, man, his performance and his output in the weight room and his performance and, you know, his output at practice is just declining and dipping. And you don't know the why behind it. Like, how are you going to help that kid? And that's just, you know, and how are you ever going to get that kid through that and out of that? Like, that's where you got to pour your whole self into who they are and what they're about. And, you know, that's something I stress to my staff. And they do an unbelievable job of all the time that I took from Coach Chris trying to be better at the delegating part, like Coach Alvarez, but I'm a control freak and I got my hands in too much still probably. Like my staff, I need to give them more. <laughs> and I, I, again, the, the youth and the energy helps me to, to be like Coach B in that way. Like I just love my job too much. I get to love what I get to do every single day that I'm in shoot. That's, That's fantastic. So one other guy that you coached with who I've always been a big fan of is Dino Babers. Uh, yeah. you, you work with Coach Babers for a while. 
what is he like? Does he have any similar characteristics to any of these other guys? And then you went with him from Bowling Green to Syracuse. What was that transition like going from being a coordinator in the MAC to being a coordinator in the ACC? Like, how did that sort of change your approach to the game? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Coach Babers has a lot of similarities to Coach Chris, both, um, you know, from an X's and O's side of things, they're offensive minded guys, offensive backgrounds, um, you know, very, very intelligent in the way that they go about their their preparation, their their personalities as well. Like in, in terms of like Coach Babers is a huge movie guy. Like if you don't know movie quotes, and you don't know movie references, it's going to be hard to carry on a long conversation with Coach Babers because he'll he'll lose your ass in a hurry because he's going to drop something. <laughs> You're going to be like, what? And you, you got to be able to keep up in that way. Um, and, and then again, the the care that he has for his young people, like he's just a, he's an outstanding human being that, that cares about, you know, as a staff member working for him, you know, so he, he gave me my first opportunity as a full-time coach at Eastern Illinois. And it was one of those deals where, you know, he took over Eastern Illinois. He needed a, a an Illinois recruiter, Chicagoland recruiter. And being from the Chicagoland, that was kind of like my, my foot in the door, but he has acted as a mentor and, guided and really cared for me and my family through this whole profession. Like I got there and I was engaged to my wife and then, you know, he, he sees me get married and we have a conversation about like how that's going to change. And, and now, okay, you have a wife with you on this coaching journey and on it, within this profession. And then we're at Bowling Green and, you know, we're expecting our first child. And, and when I share the news with him, he calls me and he's like, Hey, look, you know, there's, going to be a lot of practices in your life. There's going to be a lot of games. There's going to be a lot of football. You know, you got a bright future, you know, good Lord's blessed you with a child that's coming. I don't want you to miss a singer doctor's appointment like that. Like your first child, that first moment, that's, that's never coming again, you know? And so we actually moved um, from Bowling Green to Syracuse when my wife was seven and a half months pregnant and ended up having our son, um, right in the middle of spring ball, you know, I, I missed a spring practice because of it. And I'm freaking out. Like it's, I'm an ACC coordinator. It's year one of spring ball, you know, we're installing our system and I, I'm missing this. And like, just the ease and the comfort. Like I remember coach Babers and the quarterbacks FaceTiming me the, on a Wednesday, cause my son was born the morning of that Wednesday, they were having the quarterback meeting and they just called the face on me like coach, we love you. We're thinking about you. And whenever you get back, you get back, you know, and just kind of calmed all of that for me. Um, he's just an unbelievable family man and really prioritized that. So, you know, it, it was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, from a, from a ball standpoint, going through that whole transition with him, position coach, Matt coordinator to ACC coordinator, you know, like it, it's one of those moments that stands out going from, kind of that group of five level, I guess, of the MAC to the ACC is like one of the ways that we kind of worked our mesh point with the quarterbacks and the tailbacks, um, you know, on our inside zone read where how we did it at the MAC. One of that first years we, we played Louisville and it was kind of Lamar. It wasn't kind of, it was Lamar Jackson's coming out party on a Friday night in the carrier dome. It was like our, my personal welcome to the ACC moment. Like we're running our regular, you know, zone read mechanics, and Louisville had a defensive end. That's like playing both, like playing the quarterback, playing the tailback. And you're just like, you sit in the office, you know, that Saturday morning afterwards, and you're just like, all right, we got to get better. Like we, like we got, we got to twerk, we got to, we got to tinker and tighten some screws. We're not all the way off, but just you know, the the different caliber of athletes and what we were doing. Like, all right, that's not going to hold up. We got to get better. And fortunately enough, we did. We found some answers, and uh, you know, great lesson to learn. Like. Even though you're on the right track, like don't slow down because you ask going to get ran over. You better keep finding a way to stay out in front. <laughs> That's absolutely phenomenal stuff. And, you know, you guys took over a program at Syracuse that had, had some tough seasons, that had some sure. really tough seasons. And, you know, under your guidance, you know, you guys definitely got better. And then obviously your first year at Kent State, they went off. They went off, you know, to go 10 and three and finish with a really good season. But what I mean, Bernie just kind of asked you one of the next thing I wanted to ask you about, which I know we don't have you for too much longer, but what's the what was the biggest difference going from a position coach to a coordinator to now a head coach? Now, obviously, there are more responsibilities, but 
what are there any like little details that like really sort of changed for you and really made you sort of rethink how you're approaching coaching as a you know ever on an everyday basis yeah the the, the biggest thing is probably the most obvious, but until you're doing it and, and living it, like you don't realize like, Hey, you really got to be dialed into this. It's just who you're leading and how you need to lead them. Right. So as a position coach, you're, you're, you're leading your group, you're leading young men and, and you get, you're responsible for that little garden in the grand scheme of things, right? Like at Eastern Illinois, I had the, the tight ends and the slot receivers, like, that was my job. Like they had to be right in the overall scheme of things. Like, Hey, make sure Eric Laura is where he's supposed to be because we have Jimmy Garoppolo. And if Laura's where he's supposed to be, Jimmy's going to throw for 5,000 yards and we're going to be okay. Right. So it's like just this little plot of land, manage it. And then you go from that to coordinator and you have to coordinate all of it, right? Like, Hey, Coach the quarterbacks, make sure those young men, the players are right. But then how are you leading the staff to make sure that you're clearly communicating the offensive game plan and how it all fits together? And, you know, when we went to Bowling Green, we started adding some, you know, different coaches from different places who weren't necessarily in our system or knew kind of the origins and how it all worked together. So in the offseason, you're you're piecing all that together so that then your your new tight end coach can go off into the tight end room and he knows what you know, and he's communicating it in a manner in which you want it to. So when you get to the field for the walkthrough, right, like it's, it's right. And you're not standing there as coaches looking at each other, like, what are you doing in your room? Like that, that's not what we talked about. Right. And then um, going then again, from coordinator to head coach, right. Just knowing and understanding, especially, Bernie, you're still there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sean, you froze. You froze, Sean. You guys got me back? You're back. Yep. Yeah, you're, you're back. back. Okay, gotcha. Um, where'd, where'd, I, where'd I lose you You're going from at? coordinator to head coach. Okay, so from coordinator to head coach then, right, is the total ownership of anything and everything that happens within your organization, within your program, good, bad, or indifferent. Like, that comes to your desk, right? Like, I remember being there as a – you know, offensive coordinator for the years that I was, it was like, okay, hey, I, I need to know intimately about all my offensive guys, what's going on, and everything that popped up with that. And, and Bernie, kind of like you said with Coach B, like I still poke fun with the defensive guys, but like if there was a problem that needed to be solved with the defensive guy as the offensive coordinator, like that wasn't my burden to bear per se, right? Now, mm -hmm. As the head coach, like the burden of leadership for any phase of the program, whether that was offense, defense, special teams, alumni engagement, right, program advancement and donors and, and that engagement of things. Hey, social media accounts, talent acquisition. Hey, there's the transfer portal now. There's name, image and likeness, you know, understanding and knowing the whole scope of the job, APR points. How do we how do we get our APR points? How do we get APR points back? Like all of that's on you, like know your job, do your job and just delegating and leading the people the right way so that anything and everything good, bad or indifferent that happens, like there's one person that they're looking at and it's the head football coach. Like, you know, and so make sure you know what you're signing up for before you, you sign up for that and, and, and take all that on. I mean, but you're not in charge of like game day experience, are you? Or does that kind of fall under the umbrella? I have an input to it, right? In a sense that like there's an experience that I want our people to have. And when you come to a game day at Kent State University, like I want that to be in a line with the standards that we have for our football program. So, mm -hmm. you know, if something's not right, if I notice that the concession lines are way too long, like I'm going to go say something to someone because that, because that, that community member that stood in that concession line like they're, they didn't have a positive experience. So why would they come back to Kent State football if that's the case? And they're just going to look to, well, who's leading Kent State football? That bald, tall guy who yells way too much on the sidelines. Like <laughs> that, that jerk. What's crazy is everything does kind of funnel up to you, no matter what it is. The, the hot dog's too soggy. Like, Sean, did you, why didn't you cook it better? Um, <laughs> you mentioned, I know we were running out of time, but you mentioned NIL and the transfer portal. Yep. Two pretty new things, at least the, you know, the NIL is very new, the transfer portal. To me, 
I'm, I'm, I like it, but I don't like it. There's obviously some pros and cons. You're a head coach. How important is that to your year-to-year, day-to-day ability to bring in the right guys that you want? And how does that change your approach to recruiting, just sort of scaffolding off of what Bernie has said? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so taking transfer portal specific, I, I think it's just another – A, I think it's good. I, I think anytime that there's a, there's flexibility and, and, and options available to the, the players, all for it. Let, let's do it. That's fine, right? Like how many years have we seen coaches go here, there, and they don't have to sit and they don't have to wait? So on a very simplistic standpoint, like I get it. To me, the the transfer portal is another uh, bucket. Let's just call it the way. That, hey, there's the high school athlete bucket. There is the junior college athlete bucket. Now we have the transfer portal bucket of undergrads. We have the grad transfer bucket of all these different talent buckets. That no matter which one you're going into, right? You need to know what you're looking for. And, and again, like our staff does a great job. You know, to me, there's obviously the, the genetic standards so you need to have picture parents the right way to play football at this high level the way that that we're coaching and competing at but for us you know there's a character criteria that we're going to dive into to make sure that you're the right character that fits our culture and our program and what we're about here at Kent State and so you know some people are very very fast to go at no matter what talent bucket that is and I feel like with the transfer talent bucket like you got to go super fast because people think it's like this ready-made products that that's good to go. And, and some are sure. No, no problem. Right. But again, a lot, you got to do your homework with it, you know? So it's another option that's there, but in a holistic sense with our approach to getting the right people and getting the right talent and the right characters in here, the right young men is that we're going to build it from the high school level first and foremost like a good diet, right? Like our, our diet of talent is going to come from the high school level. And that's going to be the bulk of what we are going to build from because you can develop that and it can be sustained. And then we're going to supplement from those other buckets. Right. And and so I don't want to have the core of my class ever be, you know, transfer guys. We're, We're not going to do that. Like we, we signed the most high school kids in the Mac out of any program and, and I mean, it wasn't even close in all honesty, you know, so it, that's where we're going to build it. That's my take on it. Um, and it's, I think it's going to be good for the game. Obviously we're going to stabilize some things. It's all new. It's all changed and everyone fears the unknown, but we're going to be fine. All right, so, coach. So I know you got to get out of here soon, but anyone who follows you on social media follows a program, which if you're not, you should be. Um, your phrase this year seems to be, be the alpha. Tell us about that. What is that all about? How did that come about? And, you know, what is sort of the mentality behind that? Yeah, how do so, I get a sweatshirt? Yeah, how, do we, how do we get some swag is the real question. What, I gotta be, we'll, we'll, I gotta be a booster? We'll, no, we'll, we'll throw y'all some, some swag packages. We'll, we'll get them your way. No problem. Um, so, yeah, you know, so be the alpha for us. Um, it's our number one core belief. Um, and, and so well, the way that we define that within our Kent State organization here is, is to improve and perform today, right? So you kind of see on all of our stuff, all our branding, right? So it's like kind of be the one, be the one that we can count on and, you know, be the alpha that day in and day out. You're leading your own life. You know where you're going so that you can improve in those areas each and every single day. So, again, we want to do that whole person approach socially, athletically, academically, that we're getting better day in and day out. And, you know, all this training, all this working, it comes down to specific moments where you got to show up and perform, right? And so each and every single day, there's going to be moments for us to do that, right? We're going to get done here. I'm going to go perform as a husband, as a father, and there's nothing more important that I'm going to go do, right? And so that be the alpha mindset, it actually came from all the way back when I was in Charleston, Illinois, at Eastern Illinois, my, my fiance and I, we, we got a puppy and started reading up and there was this, section that I was reading where every single pup that that gets born, right. Kind of has the idea that being a descendant of a wolf, like someday they're going to lead the pack. And I was like, you know, they're going to be the alpha dog. And um, I was like, man, what a great idea that if every single one of my slot receivers were going to be, Hey, I'm going to be the best slot receiver in the country. And that's where, Hey, be the alpha, be the best. Let's lead the country. Let's lead our own lives. And um, it's been something that I had as a position coach, it became a staple of who we were as an offense. And now that I tricked enough people to run my own program, we're going to ride with it and keep using it. <laughs> I love it. 
Well, Sean, thank you so much. This is such a pleasure getting to pick your brain and, and we wish you the best. I hope you go 16 and 0. And, you know, if you beat Wisconsin, I, I, I wouldn't be happy about it, but I would, I would be happy for you at least. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. I, I, thanks for the opportunity. This has been great to catch up and share some laughs, share some stories. I mean, it's been a while, like you said, Bernie, to catch up on some of these things that, I mean, man, that long forgotten. And it's just amazing. It's good stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Coach Lewis. And until next time on Wisconsin, I don't know. what, what What's your chant at, at Kent State? What do you guys say? Go Flashes. Go Flashes. Go on flashes. Wisconsin and go Flashes. On Wisconsin. Go Flash. Be the alpha. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> hey, thanks, Coach. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B-L-E-A-V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.